Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiology and nutrition professor, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder. Hey, this is Phil Stevens. I am a coach and a powerlifter, sometimes Highland Games athlete. I run Strength Guild and uh, USSF, a bunch of other stuff. So, um, With us today, again, we've got Mark Bell joining us. Mark, thanks for uh, coming on board here. Thank you guys very much. I appreciate it. We expect you to be highly animated here in a little bit, so I hope you had your well, caffeine. I just, got, I just got done with a benching convention. Good, good. Hit up some, hit up some big benches. Took a bunch of uh, caffeine, got fired up, and ended up hitting. Uh, I think it was a five sixty-five in there today. So good. things are going good. So now we all know how much you bench. So yeah, how much you bench? There you go. There we go. So and Lonnie, you got some news, and then we'll get we'll get to it with more. Strength and Muscle Sport News. Yeah, actually, I've got three little bits here. Let's take a look. Uh, these are just um, listener mails that Fortress sent me. So here we go. This first one says, hey, Rob. Um, this one's mostly for Dr. Lowry. It says, people are starting to make the case for using insects as a protein source. Have you guys heard about this? No. Um, saying they're low in fat, sustainable, surprisingly tasty. Uh, as a guy who wants maximum protein at all times, the idea of something like mealworm flour intrigues me. But do you know whether there has been any nutritional research done or the merits of insect protein versus traditional sources like red meat or whey? Thanks. Uh, this is from Jeffrey. Um, I would point you to girlmeetsbug.com. She came and uh, spoke at the ISSN meeting uh, International Society of Sports Nutrition meeting uh, a year or two ago. I think her name's Daniela Martin. But girlmeetsbug.com, you can learn more about this. There's all kinds of claims about bug protein. I mean, obviously, it's super sustainable because, well, bugs, right? Well, should we? Are we missing the boat? Should we be like, like making grasshopper protein powder? Well, what she was doing at the conference was sautéing up stuff like crickets and all this sort of thing. And uh, it, they're supposed to be high in branched-chain amino acids. I mean, they are animal mm-hmm. proteins, so you'd think it'd be a complete protein. I don't know. But uh, to me, I think she was sort of missing the mark. I mean, she was trying to sauté these, and, I, and she's like, doesn't that smell great? I'm like, well, the garlic butter smells great uh, <laughs> that you're making them in. I have to, uh... But Wouldn't you want to eat butterflies to make sure you get all your colors in, kind of like with your vegetables? Oh. Yeah, variety? I don't know. They're, then supposedly you can shit out a giant rainbow at the end. <laughs> <laughs> I could say this. At least I think this could be done with something like if they ground the mealworms or the crickets into flour and just put it in protein bars, then nobody's going to know the difference. Yeah. What I don't want right. is a cricket leg hanging off my tongue, you know? Yeah, well, where are branch chain amino acids coming from in the first place anyway? Who the hell knows, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, the branch chain content, like the leucine content, does suggest it's a better protein. It's one of the better protein. I don't know how it stacks up. I think you're probably going to hear a lot of exaggeration online and everything. But right. In fact, one of my um, star students when I was teaching up in Minnesota, 
Eric, he went down to Iowa State, and um, his whole plan was to go to grad school in nutrition and develop the whole bugs as a protein source kind of thing, um, specifically <laughs> like for bars and all that. Because like I said, what I don't want is antennas and legs hanging off my lips. That's, that, that, I'm sorry. I'm just not going to get around that. Exactly. That's what I was getting at. We should pulverize them and turn them into a powder. Definitely. I I think you'd have a lot of success utilizing the mosquitoes that fly around Super Training Gym. <laughs> that would be a, a super enhanced form of protein, I believe. There you go. <laughs> there are some gigantic fucking mosquitoes around here. I'm not even joking. <laughs> you know, I thought Those about that. Are jacked. Yeah. I lived along the Mississippi when we were up north, and... Uh, you drive down the highway and your bu- your car's so covered you could just scrape them off and you got protein for a week. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there you go. So, anyway, so that's one little nutrition thing. Um, that's one, disgusting. <laughs> one thing that's related, um, Phil, did you see, or you, Mark, did you see any of this stuff about, it's all over Twitter right now on um, how animal proteins will kill you, apparently. It's back in the news. Oh, yeah. Um, apparently this time. Oh, it, my God. Yeah, now protein's going to give you cancer and diabetes, apparently. And I've got a lot of people asking questions. I mean, on one side, I could say, well, I could put some excerpts from that protein book that we advertise on the show here. I mean, there's a whole chapter on protein safety, but not to sound self-serving, I'm guessing, and I haven't had time to really look at the original article, but I'm almost guaranteeing it's some kind of epidemiology. You know, it's not cause and effect. They're just studying population trends and trying to make links. And they're probably, I don't know, but I'm guessing doing the, you know, the age-old mistake where they say if it's high animal protein, well, it's not the protein, the nutrient protein that they're having a problem with. I think right. it's probably that the average guy who eats lots of protein gets it through Big Macs, you yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I think that's probably what's going on with all that. But it's all over the news, and, uh, you know, I'll go look at it. But I can almost guarantee it's not cause and effect with, with animal protein like itself. The, uh, I like the two diseases they chose too. Those are, those are pretty popular, so you're going to fucking die from those anyway. Apparently, yep. you know, yep. you're going to die from cancer, a heart attack, or diabetes. You know, it's pretty much yeah. So that guarantees <laughs> they're they're correct. <laughs> yeah, we're to- we're totally right. Yeah, I'll do one more. This is from Darren. He says, uh, opening a powerlifting gym called Old School Iron. It's been difficult uh, and a blast at the same time, but listening to Iron Radio has kept us motivated. Thank you. We now have the banner, the Iron Radio banner, hanging in our gym to spread the word. It looks awesome. We are a true old-school strength training gym that you just don't see anymore. And then he says, tell Phil that, yes, I still lay naked in bed when I listen to the show. See the pic (laughs) below. And in parentheses it says, see the pic of the banner, not me naked. No, I met these guys when I was up at a seminar in uh, Hercules, California. They're right; they're not far down the road from Mark. They're in uh, Vacaville. Vacaville, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, a couple of good guys, yeah, Ray, and uh, so yeah, they ordered the banner not too long ago. So, thank you very much, and uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we I, I enjoy that image of, of thinking about you lying in bed listening to us. That's that's just beautiful. He, so wait a second, he's, you're trying to tell me he's naked right now? Yeah, right now. Well. In, so to speak, yes. Yeah, the, when it goes live. Well, we're gonna make him. We're gonna make him naked in the future. <laughs> yeah, that's without what we're gonna a, do. Without a flux capacitor. Yeah, yeah, we're that's we're controlling the future right now. That's pretty. That that is pretty awesome. So. <laughs> no, Mark. So what have you been up to? It's been a little while since we had you on. 
Paul just came back from the Arnold Classic, slinging out some slingshots. Um, it was awesome. Had a, our booth was uh, just full and full of uh, lots of fans and lots of people uh, buying up the slingshot, people coming and checking out Power Magazine. We had Jesse Burdick there, Katie Hogan, a high-level CrossFitian. I had my boy Robert Orbist out there. He's a, um, a strongman competitor. I also had Matt Vincent in the booth, who I'm sure you know. Highland Games competitor. Um, it was it was just a blast. It's great to uh, to get to meet all the people that are um, you know either supportive or talking shit yeah. <laughs> about some of the things we post. But it's just great to interact with, with the people that uh, that are supporting uh, the products I put out there. And it was it was just a hell of a time. Yeah, Arnold's a, the Arnold's a big deal now. It's huge. Yeah, it's huge. It's, it's not, there's nothing like it. The Olympia. In comparison, is uh, it probably has about half the amount of people. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the, the participation that we get, we get just people who are so excited. Whether they buy a slingshot or not, we just get people that are coming by. They're just fired up. They either want a magazine, they want a picture with one of the people in the booth or something like that. So uh, it's just it's just a ton of fun to have people that excited about everything. Oh yeah. Did you guys do any any uh, actual benching and stuff like that with the slingshot while you're there? Yeah, at every expo we go to, we always have a bench set up. We uh, we get about two booth spaces. Um, next year we'll have to expand, I think, even a little larger, uh, just due to the amount of volume and stuff that we sold. And we just didn't bring, we didn't even bring enough stuff. But um, yeah, we always have a bench set up, and a lot of times, you know, I'm trying to show people the slingshot. I'm obviously trying to make it sale, but I'm also yeah. trying to teach people how to bench press as well. So sometimes somebody will come over, they're real eager, they throw the slingshot on. And you start to see, okay, well, this guy, he's, he probably really hasn't been uh, in the gym that much. Mm. You know, so we'll take the slingshot off of him and we'll take a minute to just explain how to set up on the bench, you know, without the slingshot. And then we'll say, well, hey, man, you know, it'd be great if you bought the product, but you probably need to walk before you learn how to run, you know? <laughs> and uh, so that's, you know, that's, that's, that's what I'm into. I'm into trying to, to share the truth with people and into trying to spread the word of strength with people. Good stuff. So, um, man, that's a heck of a topic right there. I mean, so who who do you find is using the sling, slingshot the most? I mean, you got more beginners coming in, more advanced. Um, you know, what? Um, yeah, well, well um, in my gym, we have a, a wide array of uh, lifters in there, and, and everyone uses the slingshot at one point or another. Some guys just, just will simply use it when they're banged up. Mm-hmm. And uh, for those of those of you out there that are kind of old school, kind of sticklers for doing things your own way uh, without any assistance of any kind, that's probably the best way for someone like that to use it. But um, somebody who's really on the grind week in and week out is trying to increase their bench squat or deadlift, you just you run into injuries. You're going to yeah. run into problems here and there. And uh, the easiest way to use a slingshot and the way that we found in super training, the best way to use it is simply about every other week or so. Maybe you go two weeks on, we're off two weeks, and then you go one week in a slingshot, or you just simply go every other week, something along those lines. Just to give you one back off week where you're still able to handle some weight, uh, but it's taking a lot of pressure off the, the smaller joints, the elbows, the wrists, um, and uh, the, the shoulders and pecs and everything like that. Yeah. Good stuff. What else do you got going on lately? Um, any big meets coming up there or anything? Yeah, we have a meet here uh, at the gym uh, the 23rd, and uh, I'm actually competing in it. The first meet that I'm doing uh, raw since I was a kid, 
so everything will be a, everything will be a PR as long as I make it to the goddamn. <laughs> um, I'm pretty excited about it. This has been a, a good challenge, you know. Uh, people that have followed uh, some of my lifting, I did a thousand eighty multi fly gear in a squat. I did an eight fifty four bench. I did a seven sixty six deadlift. But this is uh, uncharted territory for me. And, uh, you know, also dropping weight and, and that kind of thing. Coming off a huge injury, you know, I fell with 1,085 while in my five year. And uh, that really uh, that really just set me off track. And I just decided to lose weight and kind of go a different route and so on. But dropping weight and switching to raw at the same time was a real kick in the nuts. Oh, sure. And uh, it's, it's really helped me out a lot as a coach. Um you know, coming down and dieting and almost doing a bodybuilding style uh, type thing for a while. Um, that experience helped me. I still don't I don't claim to know really anything about bodybuilding, but even just scratching the surface of that, um, it gave me a whole new respect for it. I would never, I got myself in a pretty good shape. I was probably about 245 and, I don't know, maybe around 8% body fat or something, but I don't have the discipline take it any further than where I did. So <laughs> I really admire uh, the guys that are able to get up there on stage and have every little part of their body critique. That shit's insane. Yeah. And then also uh, the whole raw experience. And now I'm able to, when I'm dealing with these CrossFit guys that are saying, hey, man, I don't feel like a belt does anything for me. I was always like, what the fuck are you talking about? Belt <laughs> feels great. I got this nice, big, fat stomach. I wrenched the belt down out of my crispy belly. And then I can lift the weight. Feels great. Yeah. You know, but these guys, they don't have a stomach. They don't yeah. have, you know, 200 pounds. Uh, their waist is tiny. And when they wear a belt, it doesn't really matter how tight they get it. They just simply are not feeling any similar sensations to that of a power lifter. So that whole experience, going through some of that with uh, my buddy Jesse Burdick, uh, has really helped both of us, really, as, as a coach, uh, to be able to kind of speak uh, to, to different audiences and speak to different crowds and, you start to really learn, like, okay, well, I can't teach everybody the same style. I can't mm. teach everybody just to box squat and to wear multi-fly briefs and squat wide. Not that there's anything wrong with it in training. That training is fucking fantastic if you want to try to uh, you want to try to do multi-fly lifting or if you you know if you have certain goals that the, that kind of training is great. Um, but you can't really train people any one way, especially when you're dealing with a multi multitude of athletes. Yeah. No, I totally agree. You know, we talk about that a lot on here. So, but hey, you're looking to beat then your high school total, is that right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, actually, when I was in high school, I was strong as shit. Like I remember doing a, I remember doing a four hundred five bench before I left high school. I probably weighed two twenty, two thirty, somewhere in that range. That's that's not astronomical. I mean, there's some kids oh, out yeah. there now. That Real freaks, but uh, that's that's a pretty good standard for um, for for high school. I, I, I for maybe at like around I think I was around twenty years old. I did two twenty five for forty reps. I did like a six thirty five pull at one ninety eight. At one point, I was probably around twenty one or so. I was strong when I was when I was young, but then you, you take it for granted. And now it's like a six thirty five deadlift isn't always a sure thing. If I'm feeling like shit now that I'm getting old, you know what I mean. <laughs> So it's uh, things come fast and they, and they come easy in the beginning, and then it's a matter of trying to sustain those things and try to figure out new ways of uh, of increasing those numbers all the time. Well, we'll take a short break and then we're going to come back and get to the topic. Try, Hell yeah! Try and keep this amazingness rolling. 
Hi, this is Dr. Lowry with an update on the protein book that you hear about in the ad at the end of the show. Uh, If you simply Google CRC Press and protein, uh, there's a new development. On the right side of the page, you can see ebook, and there's a purchase slash rent option. And the cool thing here is if you check that out now, because they have an agreement with Vital Book, uh, you can actually download the ebook for $69 US dollars. So that's 31% off the $99.95 uh, cover price. So that's pretty fantastic. $69, I think that's going to drop it into the affordable range for a lot of people. And you can even rent it. Uh, lower down the page, they have 180-day rentals and one-year rentals. So you can access the book in electronic format and get some of this juicy information. So thanks. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry, and on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, we'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, You can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, It's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So, Uh, Whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook, uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. Fix of Iron Radio. In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once per week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. Okay, everybody, we are back, and again, we've got Mark Bell with us, um, the owner of Super Training Gym, and the inventor of the, is now patented, right, Slingshot? Hell yeah. And, yeah, and then uh, Power Magazine, amongst other things, so um, we want to talk about the, the magazine mainly, and then we'll see where we go from there, but we're kind of in the day of age where you're seeing a ton of publications just drop like flies, um, Hell, what was it? Uh, Powerlifting USA dropped off the board. Um, right. Hustle Mag International and that whole franchise went down. Somebody started it back up now. But, uh, you know, so we want to talk about, you know, how do you run, what got you started in it, and, you know, how do, how do, you, how do you make a successful publication nowadays? Uh, before I get to that, I just, uh, I'm still a little sidetracked by picturing a pig running around your house. Still. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you pictures, man. During the break that he has a pig in his house, and I, I think, you know, my wife has called me a pig before, so I don't know, maybe, maybe it's not too much different than what you have running around here. Yeah, this isn't a, it's not a metaphorical pig, it's it's a real one. No, and it it's lives, a real pig. It lives in the house, yeah, it's, it, it thinks it's a dog, 
It sleeps what with my... What does the pig... How does the pig feel about the smell of bacon in the morning? It'll... Actually, this is funny. I actually peed the, feed the pig, like, ham and sausage and stuff like that. It's hilarious. Oh, no. He's going to get oh, mad pigs <laughs> He's going to be anyway. a new gym mascot, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Anyway, to answer your question, yeah, things have changed uh, drastically over the years. You know, you got... A lot of stuff going on with social media. You have um, a lot of websites that people can just go to and people can get information uh, immediately. So it, it kind of wiped out uh, some of the things with magazines. And, and uh, really, as um, the modern technology has kind of killed the amount of money that's in sports like bodybuilding, uh, there was really never any money in powerlifting anyway, I guess. Uh, but, you know, the sponsors used to throw around some dough here and there. And um, it's hard to squeeze anyone for, for much of anything anymore because uh, things are things are spread so thin. Um, but what really got me started uh, with a magazine was very simple. Uh, I was sitting there one day and I was reading uh, Powerlifting USA, and I've always liked Powerlifting USA. Powerlifting USA was the pivotal thing in, in kind of getting me started in Powerlifting, but it didn't really have the edge to it that, that I was uh, that would excite me. And um, so I sat there and I was talking to my wife about it. I was like, you know, this this magazine is really missing. It's really missing the boat. I, I, I do like the fact that it's talking about, you know, the hundredth ranked guy and so on. It's got these kind of these these uh, nice stop stories in it here and there. Um, but it's missing the boat. It's not really talking to the cream of the crop often enough and figuring out what the hell they're doing. And so that was kind of my original concept was. When you read a muscle and fitness, or at least growing up when I read the muscle and fitness in some of these uh, flex magazines and some of these magazines like that, um, it was only the best. You didn't read, you didn't really read a story about how the 85th bodybuilder in the world trained his chest. You know, <laughs> it, was, it was it was the cream of the crop. It was the guys that looked good, and it was the guys the guys that were uh, that were winning and doing well. So I just kind of thought, you know, I need to bring that same similar principle. Uh, to, uh, to powerlifting. And at first I was like, you know what? A lot of people are going to be sad that they don't see their little name, you know, highlighted, uh, the 99th bench press in the world or whatever. But, uh, I just, uh, I just thought, you know what? Fuck it, man. There's got to be some new standards. If people want to want to see their name highlighted, then they're going to have to fucking lift more weight. <laughs> and so, uh, that was kind of the, uh, original concept was to, to try to highlight, uh, some of the best people in the world. And then also on top of that, it's not just the strength. It's not just a powerlifting magazine. It's a magazine uh, to talk about strength, talk about power, talk about getting better. And that's why I have guys like Matt Vincent right in there all the time who's a Highland Games athlete. I want people to understand there's a lot of crossover. Um, just because I powerlift, just because I focused in on bench squat and headlift, doesn't mean there's not a ton of information that I can learn from a bodybuilder, yeah. a Highland Games athlete, a shot putter. Um, you know, an arm wrestler. I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot of great information. Um, the information gets to be repetitive sometimes. You know, you got to be consistent. You got to work hard. I mean, you kind of hear these same things swirl around. But if you communicate with different athletes, you get these little gems. You end up with these little diamonds of uh, uh, of information that you can then utilize for yourself and, and make yourself more betterist, as I always say. Yeah. No, it's one of those things. I, it's it's like the, all all the information's out there. It's how you put it together, and and same thing with right. the coaching. You know, if you look at the top dudes that are out there in any sport, 
they're doing a lot of the same fundamentals. It's just how they're putting it together is a bit different. And that's where, like you said, you grab the little gems from. So Someone like uh, Jim Wender, who was, uh, you know, he was on Elite for a long time, um, and he was uh, always talking about programs, and he was, you know, he had his own thing up there for a long time. And then you get people who are like, hey, man, why don't you do an e-book? You know, you get people all excited. And it's like, well, dude, I've given out so much information, there's already basically an e-book out there, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. But then it's only, it's only smart, it's only smart business to, you know, create a book because there's just so much uh, demand for it. People really want to know, hey, man, what are the inner ins and outs of your training? And then even when you make that book, it just creates more questions and then you try to make another book. So, yeah, exactly. You're right. You're, you're right. Uh, you know, people uh, it, people want to see that information in, uh, in many different forms. Well, the good thing, I think one thing you're capturing now, I mean, I know it, I'm, it's probably because I'm getting old, but as far as a magazine goes, I want to hold it in my hand, and I want to read right. it, you know, and I think you still, you caught on there, and you, there's still enough of those people out there, you know, as old right. friends. Yeah, it's all like-minded information uh, in, in uh, one spot, you know, and in the internet, um, you get just so disjointed by so many different things, you know, you click on one thing on YouTube, and then something else pops up, and the next thing you know, and you watch them totally and completely unrelated. At least with a magazine, you can stay focused in and honed in on that one topic for a little while. The the, the format too. I mean, it's it's you've got this little bit of information, and you've got you get to divulge, you know, dissect that and and read about it. But you know, a month later or whatever, you got another one coming. So it comes right. in these nice little, you know, you start looking forward to the next episode type of thing. Um, what I was going to say is uh, what I try to do is I try to have you know like an athlete will write they can even write like a story you know they can write their journey on you know uh, you know how they became uh, the best box jumper in the world or whatever the hell whatever the hell the story <laughs> is but whenever they write that story I want them to actually you know physically uh, write about their training so because I always I don't mean guy. I'm a guy who wants, like, I want the real thing. That's part of the reason why I made a magazine. Uh-huh. It's part of the reason why I still live. It's part of the reason why, you know, I'm, I'm physically at my own booth at these uh, expos and stuff, because I, I'm the real deal. Like, if you go to these other these other booths, the, invent, the inventor of BSN uh, or EAS or some of these big companies, they're not fucking there. They're long gone. They probably sold a company years ago. You know, but these inventors and creators, they're nowhere, they're nowhere to be found. People come to my booth and they start to communicate with me, and they're like, oh, you fucking invented this thing? They, a lot of times people think I'm just repping it, you know? Yeah. And that's fine at these uh, expos. You find people that are just kind of, you know, they're there floating around repping these different, mm-hmm. these different products. But I'm always kind of a meat and sales guy. Like, like I, I like things to be as real as they can possibly be. So if somebody says, you know, what makes you an expert in the squat? Like, well, I'm not necessarily an expert in squat, but I did squat 1,080, and that's good enough to be top 20 all time and power up the history. Yeah. You know, and so those kind of things are real important to me. And so when somebody reads an article, you know, um, I want different people to be able to get different things from it. So one people, one person might be inspired by the story that the guy wrote, while the other guy's like, you know what, man, I ripped that little box out, you've got that little box in there, I ripped that little page out, and I brought it to the gym with me, I did that guy's exact workout. You know, and it sounds corny. It sounds corny to a point, but we've all done that. When you started working out earlier, 
I remember walking around oh, with yeah. the goddamn Arnold Encyclopedia, which was huge. Oh, yeah. I brought it right to the table. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, the whole entire fucking book. That's you why know? you benched 405 in high school, because you carried that thing around. Yeah. I was doing you got jacked from it. <laughs> I got jacked and tanned from the weeder principles. <laughs> But that's the kind of thing you know. I'm trying to I'm trying to portray. I'm trying to give people. I'm even in the middle of writing my own ebook now, and I give people a program right at the beginning. I give people a diet right like here. If you don't want to read all this fucking bullshit that I'm about to spew, it's all on the fucking front. All the information that you need is the first ten pages, and you can just tell me to fuck off with the rest of it if you want. <laughs> you know. So um, with, with, who who was on the last? You guys had Klokov on not too long ago, right? In power? Yeah, yeah, Dmitry Klokov. What a beast that guy is. Uh, oh, high God. level Olympic Olympic lifter, I think. Uh, yeah. Olympic silver medalist at one point. Um, but he also bench presses 500 pounds, deadlifts, deadlifts like 750. Yeah. Um, squats around the same same weight. I mean, the so shit that that guy can do is unbelievable. With people like him and then KK and stuff like, how the hell do you get past the language barrier? Do they write to you or? Oh yeah, um, well, it, it, it's kind of happened uh, several different ways. But uh, you know, KK, I can communicate with him a little bit back and forth. Um, I have a friend of mine who's a powerlifter uh, out of uh, Florida named Mike King, and uh, Mike King actually was the one who did that to meet me cloak off article and I'm. Okay forever in debt to him because that that was an awesome article that he did uh, but he, he's fluent and he was Russian so he's oh. fluent in Russian and uh, he was able to communicate uh, really well with him I'd like to get more guys because there's a lot of dudes overseas that like no one knows about no one knows anything about you know but it's just tough man because people are coming out of the woodwork there's people here that people don't know anything about like some dude just like passed a thousand pounds plot I don't know if you saw that was on power thing watch. I can't even think of the guy's name right now. Yeah. But he just he just came out of nowhere. I never recall him doing a meet and him squat nine hundred or eight hundred. Yeah. We just come squat nine hundred as his opener, nine fifty and then a thousand. He smashed all three of them. Yeah. And uh so it's hard. <coughs> it's very hard to keep up. So uh I guess on that note, anybody listening that wants to be part of Power Magazine, the best way to be part of Power Magazine is to actually physically write an article. Because I can't get to everybody. I can't interview uh, every single person. I can't feature every single person. Yeah. The best way to do it and the best response that we've seen is to write two or three articles. And then if you're doing well and you really kick it out, then, uh, then there's definitely a possibility to uh, be on the cover. But you're going to gain more popularity uh, through writing the articles. So anybody can just kind of write an article and send it to you and see if it'll you know, make the cut? or. <laughs> Yeah, you know, but hopefully it's uh, it's somebody with uh, with the background of some sort, somebody who's yeah. done something, yeah, somebody who's uh, accomplished something. Like if Bill Stevens sent me an article, I'd write it on fire, for example. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, I've got yeah. a question for you then. I mean, when people send you stuff, who does the editing? I mean, if they send you something that's pretty atrocious, what do you, uh, grammar-wise, yeah. what do you do with that? How do you have a, keep the quality up? Um, it, it depends on kind of who it comes from. If, it, if it's a valid, you know, again, if it's a valid source, uh, I will try to communicate back with that person and say, hey, man, uh, you know, can you try to reorganize this a little bit? And I'll try to give them a couple of bullet points. Um, I also have a, uh, a genius that works for me called Mr. Robot Pants. 
<laughs> and uh, Miss, Mr. Robot Pants, he can, uh, a lot of times he can take this information and he can kind of spin it around in a way that, that makes sense. Um, we, we have had to turn some people away um, because of that, but, but I don't want that to be a limiting factor. And uh, so sometimes I'll have somebody, uh, you know, physically call this uh, athlete and uh, ask them a few questions to clarify some things, and then we'll uh, we'll end up with an article that way. So there are there are ways around it. You know, you got to kind of just you got to kind of realize our territory that we're in and what we're asking. Uh, a lot of powerlifters are kind of blue collar guys, and uh, writing you know writing an article is pretty foreign to them. A lot of guys you know have uh, just you know typical nine to five jobs, and um, that's not really their thing. That their thing isn't uh, to write poetry or to write some beautiful article right. about uh, the science of, of lifting. So, uh, in understanding that, you know, we try to um, we try to just break it down uh, to its simplest form, and then just we'll have someone just uh, call them up and and ask them a few questions to help uh, clarify some of that. Yeah, the reason I ask is because Rob did that for years at Muscle Mag. I mean, that was his job. He ghost wrote articles. Uh, right. And some of the stuff that he actually had to work with was was pretty rough, you know. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it certainly can be. Um, but uh, usually, see, a lot of times these, a lot of times these lifters, um, it's going to sound funny, but a lot of these guys just don't have confidence. Like, they, they have a lot, a lot of these guys have a lot of great information inside of them, and, but they, just, they don't even put, you know, because a lot of these guys... They never really even had to think about it. I mean, more and more people are becoming coaches. I think just kind of with the general direction of uh, fitness, you got more people squatting, more people deadlifting. So you have more power if there's kind of speaking, uh, you know, as quote-unquote experts uh, in the field. But uh, even before, suddenly before that time, and some, there's still a lot of guys out there that don't really ever do any coaching. They don't even really ever question their own training. They go in, they work hard. And over a period of years, they're just extremely strong. And they built up this great level of strength. However, those people are some of the most intelligent people I have ever talked to about training. They might not seem smart at first, and they might not know much of anything outside the gym. Uh, But the case say is so simple that it ends up being profound. Yeah, I mean, I've had one guy just tell me, um, you know, he was like, hey, you know, I, I do these kind of partial range of motion. Uh, movements on my bench press, and then you know when the weight gets heavier, I move it a little bit more full range. And I was like, "Well, why did you write that in this article? Like, what, what, what the fuck is that? What is, what is it for? Why do you do that?" Yeah. He's like, "Well, I found if I go full range of motion all the time on everything, it hurts. It hurts my elbows and it hurts my shoulders. Like, how awesome is that? <laughs> you know, he's, he's saving his elbows and shoulders, so he's going in a little partial range of motion." Yeah. Something he just discovered worked well for himself. It's like, fuck, man, you know, that's Eric Spoto, 722 bench, biggest yeah. bench press, you know, in the history of power. I mean, the guy's yeah. benched up, uh, you know, 500, 500 pounds, like, I don't know, I think like 25 times or some shit like that. I mean, the guy's a bench pressing machine. And so he's learned, like, shit, man, I thought that was stronger. Yeah, I've had to change things up a little bit. I've had to, and so who knows? Maybe. His training, it was so precise that allowed him to grow, where others, uh, like myself, have gotten stuck for years and years, because we're trying to, you know, quote-unquote, do it by the book, and quote-unquote, do it the right way. Well, here's a guy who's like, you know what? 
that fucking hurts my elbow. I ain't doing that anymore. That hurts my shoulder. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm going to do it this way. And then when it's heavy, and I really got to test myself, and I really got to make sure the strength there, that's when it matters. That's when I'll do a full range. Yeah. It's like shit, man. Like, that is, that is so, that is so smart. It's unbelievable. <laughs> no, that's like the, I mean, no, I hear you. I mean, you get these people that it's like, the word is gospel. You can't go against it, type of thing. You know, like you said, we're following things by the book, and you know, I've gotten that with a lot of people with with my squat and my hip. And it's like, well, you, you got to squat, you got to squat deep. And it's like, well, right. you know what? It hurts. And right. So if I squat to a box that's four inches high and I squat a lot, when I go, then I can take a few shots at depth, and I'm still stronger. You know. Right. It's, uh, right. I don't know. It comes. It uh, it hopefully comes with maturity with a lot of people that you finally realize that wow, this stuff shouldn't hurt that bad. <laughs> type of thing. Um, yeah. You, you start yeah, learning right. to stay away from things that 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 freaking hurt. So pain is a good lesson. It teaches you well. You know. I mean, oh yeah. Pain makes you weak. I mean, you think about a um, a dog that pees on your carpet. A lot of times, people whack them with a paper or something like that, or yell at them. Yeah. And uh, that that experience is a bad experience. Once so they'll eventually stop doing that. Same thing within the gym. You kind of hoping that you learn from these uh, these little bumps and bruises get along the way. You're right. You know what you were talking about, Arnold earlier. I mean, what he did with the Arnold press. You know, his shoulders hurt, so he did military presses with dumbbells differently. You know, and I think right. any you could talk about it, talk to experts all the time, and that does help. But on some level. You want to see what's happening in the trenches, and then try to reconcile what the science says with what the uh, the guys are actually saying makes them feel better or makes them stronger. You know, there's got to be that sort of circle. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And what I've seen, uh, it's it's been very rare. It hasn't been my experience for me to see uh, anyone who's ever like really really gifted in a particular lift. I've never seen anybody say. Uh, until they become more experienced and then they switch things up a little bit but it's been my experience anyone who is really gifted in a deadlift someone who's really gifted in a squat or a bench uh, more often than not they overtrain quote unquote overtrain uh, that movement like a son of a bitch you know they overtrain the hell out of it and they have these huge ass legs and it's just something that for whatever reason you know they were either going to die or that that method was going to work for them and uh, I found the same thing true with the bench press. These guys walking around with huge, huge packs. I've seen the same thing uh, in, in the uh, in the deadlift. And a lot of times, those guys that can handle uh, deadlifting more often are either a guys who have just really precise form, or b they're guys who just have uh, that are kind of like knuckle draggers. They got long arms, yeah. and they're able to handle deadlifting more often than the rest of us. But yeah, usually, uh, usually it's a lot of trial and error. You know, people just they blast themselves for years and years. I used to bench press three times a week, and that that helped me, uh, you know, get up to some of some of the big bench bench presses that I've done. And that's the hard part. There, you know, it's one we've touched on. We always seem to come back to it. Is like, I don't know if you can get around those early days when you were doing dumb stuff. You know, yeah, I think you right. have to go through that to get to. You know, there's. I'm sure all of us beat the hell out of ourselves in the gym a bunch when we were younger. You'd go in there and you'd purposely just train until you were dead. And then, yeah. you know, but, but you learn a lot and you gain a lot of, you gain a foundation out of that. That, that just, I don't know if you, you can't bypass that. And you see that now. Uh, people want to kind of, I want to be strong tomorrow. And it's like, come on, dude. 
<laughs> I think a, a truly valuable lesson of any physical activity is learning how to lose. And it's yes. uh, something that some of that people really overlook. You know, you beat the hell out of yourself in the gym and, and you, uh, you know, maybe you tweak a muscle a little bit. You know, that's kind of a loss, you know. You can't get up and down the stairs very good and, and this and that. But like you said, you learn a valuable lesson from that. You're like, okay, well, shit, man. You know, I ain't doing that 10 to 10 again. I don't give a fuck what Charles Bullock says. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I'm not doing that German bond anymore. You know, whatever whatever the routine is, you know, the, the uh, gain, in, gain an inch on your arm in one day. You know, I've done them all, man. You name them, I've done them all. You know, I, think, I well, no, I, I shouldn't say that. The, the straight game has been around for way too long. I mean, it's done them all, but I've done a lot of dumb things. I did put 225 on the bar, and I saw how many squats I could do in, like, 90 minutes. And Oh, my God. Oh, I got a case of rat. I was pissing Coca-Cola for four days. It was. Oh, <laughs> that, wow. That's not good. <laughs> that's not good. <sighs> but, yeah. Yeah, so that's one of the things that I think magazines can do is they sort of uh, give a picture, like a window into a, a sample of some pretty freaky guys, you know. Right. and hear their stories and all that kind of stuff. And it does motivate. It motivates everybody, not just young people or beginners. I mean, we all need some of that, you know. Yeah, I try to have them write from different perspectives sometimes. It's not always about, um, you know, I try to say, hey, guys, you know, try not to forget about the way that you used to train. Yeah. Because that's, just, that's you know, equally as important or maybe even more important than the way you're currently training. You know, I think like uh, someone like Mike Menzer, you know, who kind of had those... Uh, those kind of, you know, off-the-wall principles well after his career was over. You know, it's like, did he build, did he build that body, you know, doing, doing one set? <laughs> right. He probably, built it, he probably built it through doing a lot of other stuff before he came to the conclusion that, you know, banging out one all-out set was a good idea for someone who's been in the strength game for two decades. So. Yeah, it's a good example. So I was thinking about writing an article about using farm animals for your assistance work. Would that be a good one? Uh, I think it's been done already. Wasn't there that guy that uh, was picking up that cow every day or whatever? Yeah, that was Milo. Yeah, but this is totally different. That was like, that was a main lift. (laughs) I want to do assistance work. Oh, my God. So, okay, so how, okay, so how would would you attach a band? Well, yeah, and like instead of pushing a prowler, you chase the pig. And you know things like that, you know. Conditioning. I, be, I can I can definitely see it being uh, extremely popular. So <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> no. no. you catch the chicken and then you fry it. And yeah. Then you make wings. Exactly. Where else can you eat your assistance work? Uh, nice. <laughs> you're on. You're onto it. That, yeah. I think you're onto something. Yeah. So. See now this is uh, this is going to be a little bit more interesting. So you're. So maybe all your assistance work is always with food of some sort. Yeah, but it's food in a living okay. format. So. Oh, okay. So, so your pizza that you're about to eat in a little while is not necessarily assistance work. Well, I suppose that could be curls. Depends on how you more, eat it. It's more recovery. Than yeah. Else. Yeah. Lift it, then eat it. There you go. Yeah. I had to go to the store and get it. You know, so. Yeah, but I didn't walk there or anything. I expended zero energy. And it was one of those hot and ready's, so I didn't even have to wait. But <clears throat> Well, hey, let me ask Mark one last thing. Uh, what about um, 
have you had a smooth road with the photography and stuff with your magazine, or what do you do on that front? Yeah, that's actually the hardest part. And um, we uh, we had a guy uh, at the uh, at the Arnold who was actually pretty pissed at me. He was like, "Oh, he's like, oh man, you need to get a photographer over to uh, you know to, to shoot my my lift that I'm going to do." And I was like, "I don't have a photographer." <laughs> He's like, he's like, do you have a like a high resolution camera? I was like, I don't even, I don't fucking own one. <laughs> you know, he was just kind of going off. He was all excited about this lift that he was going to do or whatever. And then he had kind of like this manager guy with him, and he was all up in arms about it too. I was like, look, guys, I do not have a cameraman. Like, Power Magazine does not hire a cameraman to go around the country uh, and, and shoot footage of fat guys lifting weights. That's what it's about. <laughs> That's all we're about, you know. So I, I finally spelled it out to him, and they kind of got the picture. But I just basically, uh, a lot of that stuff, we're very lucky. Uh, it comes to us uh, in the form, um, usually from the athletes. Um, you know, there's people. I just what I'm finding in this um, in this space of fitness is uh, people just are not, are not that smart. <laughs> and uh, so what I try to do, when I try to uh, find somebody. Uh, let's say someone like uh, Robert Orbis, who's a, a, a friend of mine, a strongman athlete. If I wanted to feature him on the cover, I would say to myself, hmm, let's see, like, kind of who, you know, what big events is this guy doing? And then also, who are his sponsors? And so, you know, we've been lucky. We've had uh, MHP, um, BSN, uh, some of these, uh, these big companies. We've just kind of communicated with them and said, you know, you're sponsoring this athlete. We want to feature this athlete. It'd be great if you could get us some photos. And sometimes we'll plan a photo shoot and we'll get the photos that way. Or they'll just say, oh, yeah, you know, he's doing this event. And we'll make sure, you know, we'll make sure someone gets a, uh, a picture. Because those companies, it's an investment for them. You know, they, yeah. they're already spending money with uh, said athlete. And so it only makes sense for them to, uh, you know, try to try to cough up the pictures. But a company like MHP has been really great uh, to us in that sense because uh, they are uh, they they have basically put money uh, into the sport of uh, strongman and even even to a certain extent powerlifting. In my own gym, I got uh, Jim McDonald and uh, his son Sam McDonald have have uh, uh, tons of uh, training, uh, video, and and um, and still photography of uh, contests and training. And some, so sometimes we'll use some of that in the magazine, you know, if it aligns up properly. But what I'm trying to do is, is have it showcase the athlete. So some of the athletes uh, have a great understanding of that, like uh, Derek Poundstone uh, has written for me before. Um, we've had uh, John Anderson uh, writing some uh, deep water articles. Uh, those, those have been really interesting articles. But these guys, they kind of understand, like, dude, you want to be showcased in a great way. I'm going to need some good photos. I don't need some photos of, like, some 150-pound uh, kid you train. I want to see photos of you train and lifting some heavy shit. Like, let's try to get something good together. So, usually those guys are smart enough. Matt Vincent has been another guy. has been great. Zach Evanish has been really on top of things with that as well. Getting great pictures of him, his athletes, or him coaching his athletes. Um, and so, so those, those guys kind of understand, uh, you know, what we're trying to do and what we're after. You know, I think in a lot of ways, whether it's photo or, like, just editing the the text and the articles and that sort of thing, one of the things I think magazines provide is, 
you know, you're sort of separating the wheat from the chaff a little. You know, somebody gets online and they got to dig through oceans of junk. Uh, you know, <laughs> right. because they don't have anybody with any with half a brain or you know experience, kind yeah, of saying here. Right. I want to put. I want to highlight this dude. He's strong. You want to know what's strong? That yeah. strong. You know, yeah. that kind of thing. So, so every athlete in the sport, I know ninety nine percent of them, and uh, you know, I'll, I'll have you know other companies and stuff. Sometimes ask me about certain guys. Will say, hey, you know, what do you think about this guy? And I'll be like, hey, you know, I never heard of him. Um, doesn't mean he's not strong. But what it does mean is, like, he hasn't really been around that long. He really doesn't deserve a whole lot quite yet. Because I think one of the one of the great attributes, or, or one of the attributes uh, uh, that I admire, is um, is somebody doing something repeatedly. Like, so if someone does some huge squat, they do some huge. It, it's really cool. That's great. But you want to see them do it over a period of time, or even more importantly, you want to see them get better. You know, uh, and not anybody, but, but just about anybody can get in good shape for a quick photo shoot and, and be in pretty good shape and look good. But you, if you see that person, you don't want them to be fucking fat, you know? Yeah. And same thing with strength. Like, you want to be able to kind of, uh, quote-unquote, show off that strength, uh, you know, at any time. Yeah, it's not good to be the one show pony, and then you, you see him five years later, and here's your hero, and he's like... Shaped like a Dunkin' Donuts mine or something. Yeah, the mission. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. Billy, you and I have years, and uh, you know, you had this gift. You were a kid. Yeah. And you're still squatting a fucking seven hundred pounds. Yeah. And that, that that that's some real shit right there. That's amazing. Yeah, it's just yeah. No, I mean, I I agree. It's it's. And that's what you, you've seen it in powerlifting a lot, where you'll see like the person you just talked about. You know, comes out of nowhere and squats a thousand. Is he going to be around in a year? You know, right. And five years. It's you know, it's people like you know, Hal Cohn was the, for a couple decades. It's, it's that type of longevity you're looking for. Well, you know what? For uh, readers, it's a story. Then they get a story. Yeah. That's what's interesting. Not just a flash in the right. pan of some you know boring situation that somebody, some kid got lucky or something. Yeah, but they got stronger. They come back from an injury. You know, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah one of the best articles uh, that we've had. Um, Guy who's got the strongman training, and um, he had this uh, just a really severe um, illness. I can't remember exactly uh, what he had, but he was just in tons and tons of pain all the time. Um, but he was in tons of pain whether he did nothing mm-hmm. or whether he or whether he trained. And uh, he decided, no man, I'm going to train. So he trained, and then he had the back lay off. He trained, and he had the back lay off. And he had to learn over the course of a couple of years on how to figure out how the hell he can train for the sport that he loves, which is strongman. And then he's finally able to get up there amongst uh, other competitors and compete, and he did well. And it's like, that's a fucking awesome story. Like, doesn't yeah. really, you know, who really cares where he ends up with? And it's just a matter, it's just the, the fact that the guy's made so much progress. He was in so much pain, he could barely get up and down his own stairs. Yep. And now he can be man contest where he's you know loading stones and doing farmers walks and doing all kinds of crazy shit good stuff yep well it was good having you on again bud awesome man yeah I appreciate uh, appreciate getting on here and uh, hopefully we'll do it again sometime yeah for sure next time you see Jesse smack him around for me he's, he's <laughs> big and fat again isn't he when I was up there he's losing weight 
I thought you powerlifters were always fat. That, that's what I thought. I don't know. Mark said he was eight yeah. percent though. Yeah. So Mark's Mark's all pretty now. Sounds like yeah. it just it just really depends on your definition of fat. Like you know, like I I'm friends with like Michael Hearn and Stan Efferding. These guys are always shredded. So yeah. no matter what shape I get in, I'm fucking fat to them. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Good point. Yeah. So like what? Yeah. Like what's up, fat though? And they, yeah. and they grab you one area where you still have like three ounces of fat. Like, you're gross. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you're like, you're like, thanks. I'm just gonna go eat cookies. Yep, <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. all right, guys. Until next time. Uh, see you later. Yeah, thanks again, guys. Thank you. Hey, sports nutrition fans! Join us in beautiful Clearwater Beach, Florida, June 20 and 21 for the 11th annual ISSN Conference and Expo. You'll learn the latest, greatest sports nutrition from the best minds in the business. Some of our speakers include Juan Carlos Santana, Dr. Mark Tarnopolsky, Gina Lombardi, and many, many more. You'll learn about intermittent fasting, how to exercise to offset poor eating, and also nutritional strategies for maintaining or gaining muscle mass. But the best part is you'll get to rub elbows with the best scientists in the business. The ISSN, why would you go anywhere else? Go to www.theissn.org for more information. That's www.theissn.org for more info. See you there. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding. Um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org uh, store. Uh, we also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.